It's Wednesday, January 20th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Rule Breakers and Supernova, David Kretzman, and from Motley Fool Funds, Tony Arsta. Happy Wednesday, gentlemen. Good to be Happy here. Wednesday. It's good to be here. It's not good to be on Wall Street. Oof. Because holy cow, is there a lot of red out there. We're going to get to some earnings from Netflix and IBM. We will dip into the full mailbag. But maybe good just to start with uh, a comment from our friend and your colleague, Tony, Bill Mann, who wrote on Twitter this morning. And it's a nice reminder on days like today when, yes. when again, there's so much red out there. Uh, but what Bill wrote on Twitter was, market volatility scares people, scared people flee, fleeing creates bargains, bargains are what investors should want. And it is what we should want. And we, we, we talk all the time about have a little cash on the side, have a watch list, that kind of thing. But Still, kind of painful. It can be painful to look at, but uh, there are some bargains appearing, so that that's always the nice part. Let's start with Netflix. Fourth quarter profits came in higher than expected. David, we had talked recently. You were out at CES and big presentation from Netflix. A lot of talk about their international expansion. And help me understand what's going on with this stock because they reported after the market closed yesterday, right after they announced. The stock popped somewhere in the neighborhood of 10%. Now it's down more than 5%. That's a pretty big swing when you just factor in the after hours and just a couple hours of trading so far. First, let's just start with the quarter. Was the quarter as good as the 10% pop, or was it as bad as the 5% drop we're seeing right now? I think it was a pretty good quarter when you take it in the long-term context, which is how management is looking at it. Like They're not so worried about near-term profitability, especially with that international segment. They're focused on expanding quickly, building that presence, and then scaling profit from there. So, uh, on January 1st, they crossed 70, 75 million uh, members globally, which is a big number for them. They have 45 million in the U.S., about 30 million internationally. And this quarter, they beat their own internal forecast of 5.15 uh, million uh, new members. They added 5.6 million new members. So, with the numbers that I think matter for foolish investors like us, long, patient long-term investors, I, you want to see that member count expand internationally. Uh, they, they have a bigger international uh, addressable market now that they're in 130 more countries, like uh, they announced at CES. So, now their addressable market in terms of households with broadband internet connection, it's uh, up from uh, 400, or th- excuse me, 360 million homes to now 550 million homes. So with that expanding addressable market, um, they're they're just trying to scale internationally, basically as quickly as they can. Tony, is part of what we're seeing today with Netflix stock just in politics? They you hear the phrase "a pox on both your houses." Is is part of what we're seeing today just investors saying, "Yeah, I, I don't care about how good this quarter was. I, I'm just I'm just selling for the sake of selling." Uh, I don't know if that's quite accurate. I, I think the the big issue with Netflix now is that uh, their next trick is going to be much more difficult. They've uh, grown so successfully within the U.S. U.S. streaming is up to about thirty five percent operating margin now, and their goal is to get that to forty percent. And the uh, number of subscribers in the U.S. has has basically plateaued. It's still growing, but it's not growing nearly as quickly. By the end of 2016, I expect that they'll have more international subscribers than U.S. subscribers. And that's still a money-losing business. It's still an area where they're trying to grow quickly. But the story now has switched from growing in the U.S. to growing internationally, uh, where there's just more competition. There's more languages you need to write your, your programs in. There's 
a lot of other concerns that maybe weren't as relevant when they were only a U.S.-focused company. So I think things are just getting more difficult for them. If they continue to grow and get the same market share internationally as they have in the U.S., it'll be a, a great investment. But that is a much more difficult trick to pull off. Have they given any sort of a timeline or even a time frame for when they expect some of these bigger international markets to start turning a profit? This and and I don't own shares of Netflix, but Reed Hastings and his management team strike me uh, just as someone who watches how companies operate and watches how management operates. They strike me as a pretty forthcoming bunch of people. They don't, you know, for all the praise that is heaped upon Jeff Bezos, nobody has ever accused Jeff Bezos of right. doing anything other than holding his cards incredibly close to the vest. Netflix executives seem like they're pretty straightforward about, yeah, this is how much money we're going to spend this year in content. They, they they do give a lot of information, and my problem with, with Netflix though is that they always frame it in the way that they want you to follow their story. So, for example, a few years ago, they would always give their churn numbers. Yes. So, you knew how many subscribers were being added and how many were leaving. And then they decided one quarter that they would no longer give that information. With International, they on every call, they give a few country anecdotes of where things are going well, where they've had success, but they don't give full data where you can actually build up your own models. So, they are, uh, they're, they're more open than Amazon, <laughs> that's fair to say. But uh, they are selective about what they share. They have been pretty consistent uh, since they kind of announced that they were going to be more aggressive with international expansion. That was, I think, the middle of 2015, last year. Uh, they mentioned that they expect to be that international segment to become profitable by uh, 2017, and that stayed consistent uh, even through that announcement at CES, where they really ramped up international expansion, I think, at a faster pace than anyone really anticipated. Mm-hmm. So, they're still expecting uh, material global profits beginning in 2017. Whether or not they get there is a question. At this point, th- th- I mean, the company, they're, they're free ca- they burned almost a billion dollars in cash uh, in 2015. Their free cash flow was negative $276 million in the last quarter. So, really, the big question for Netflix is, can they scale quick enough to the point where they can become a cash flow positive business. I think that's the big question for investors looking out next two, three years. I I believe on the call they said they'll burn about 120 million international per quarter going forward until they get to that break-even point. They also said that by the end of 2016, early 2017, they'll need to raise more money. It sounds like they're leaning towards debt. Honestly, at this share price, I don't know why they aren't doing uh, a more equity offering, but uh, at any rate, they will need more cash in the future. This is one of those stocks that people, uh, some people look at, and they go right to the P/E ratio, and they say, "My gosh!" Even on a day like today, when it's selling off a little bit, it's still got a P/E of 270. What what is one metric people should use to look at the stock? Because I know neither one of you looks at this and and thinks, "Well, yeah, P/E. That's how you should be measuring this stock, Tony." Uh, for me, it's more of looking at a set of beliefs. They've said that by 2020, they can get their U.S. business to 40% margin. If you assume they can get their international business to a similar level, you can look at what percent of, of international broadband households would need to have Netflix to make it a reasonable investment. And that's somewhere between 25 and 50% of the world with broadband access would, would need to be paying 10 to $15 a month, somewhere in that ballpark would make it a reasonable investment today. Uh, the PE today is, given their their 
efforts not only in international expansion but new content. The PE today doesn't tell you one way or the other if it's a good investment. Yeah, I think you really just have to focus on uh, their addressable market and how successfully they can capture uh, members around the world. Uh, Their pricing is consistent around the world. That was a question I asked uh, some of their um, PR folks when, when we had a chance. They had a press day after that announcement at CES and was just asking them, you know, do they have different pricing for different countries? Because $9.99 or $7.99, in some countries, that's a hefty amount to pay each month. But the pricing, it they, they said it is remarkably consistent in all these countries around the world. So, uh, this for, for Netflix to pay off for investors, you know, the, the, within five, six, seven years, they'll need $200 million or more uh, members, I think. So, that, that's really, I think, the metric investors should pay attention to. Let's move over to Big Blue. IBM's fourth quarter profits and revenue both came in higher than expected, but I'm assuming, Tony, that expectations are consistently lower for IBM these days, since this was the 15th quarter in a row right. that their revenue has fallen. That is that is a staggering number. That's a lot of quarters, yes. Um, to be fair, though, their revenue would have only fallen 2% if it wasn't for currency, rather than the 9% it did fall. So two thirds of their business being outside the U.S. has has really been a drag on the business. What they've been doing over the last few years, though, is getting out of their traditional things like hardware and a lot of the the core businesses they had been doing in the past, and instead uh, focusing on growth markets like uh, analytics, cloud security, and those are all growing, maybe a little bit slower than people would have liked. Again, with currency effects, it only grew about ten percent in the quarter. It would have been about 15, I believe, uh, without the currency headwinds. So that's growing, and it's the question is, can can that grow and take up the slack from the legacy businesses that they're getting out of? The company's trading at about 11 times free cash flow. It bought back 4.6 billion dollars of stock last year. Dividend yield is over 4 percent. So it's it's a reasonably priced, stable company that's trying to grow into growth markets. The bigger issue is that those growth markets they're trying to grow into, there's a lot of competition. When you look at cloud services, they're competing directly with Amazon. You look at analytics, they're competing with Splunk, which Rule Breakers, I know, has recommended. And then uh, in the security business, there's companies like Palo Alto Networks, FireEye. Uh, Everywhere they're trying to grow, there's a lot of competition that is more nimble and only focused on that one thing. It's... If you want to invest in future technology, it's maybe a more stable play than some of these more uh, niche growth growth oriented companies. But there's a lot of competition there. We'll get to FireEye in a second. But is this a company? And you think about IBM's history and how it has gone through, at various points, it has gone through decade long stretches of outperformance for the stock. And certainly, as we've seen today, it's hitting. Basically, a, a five-year low. Mm-hmm. Is this one of those behemoths that should consider spinning off part of their business? Should they be looking at their cloud business and saying, "You know what? This is going to do better if we spin this off." Well, they've already spun off everything that isn't uh, a new technology area. So they've spun off their foundries. They've spun off their server businesses. They still have Watson, right? They still have Watson, yes. So <laughs> actually, when they spun That's off important. the foundries, they they paid a company called Global Foundries to take that off their hands. So they they have been divesting of things that are not new growth areas. But they have things like Watson. Uh, their cloud business is growing nicely. There's a lot of competition, though. Amazon's 
strategy with Amazon Web Services is basically to charge as little as possible to capture a large share of the market and uh, use that to provide other services. If your only business is something that another company is choosing to cut prices on, uh, that that can be a tough place to be. But IBM has reinvented itself many times in the past. They are investing in the right areas. It's just a question of if they can uh, outpace all, all of the small up-and-coming threats that they face. Let me go back to one thing. I want to make sure I understood what you said correctly. Did you say that when it they were looking to sell off their foundry business. They didn't sell it so much as they paid someone to take it off their hands. Yeah, depending on how you read the press release <laughs> and what happened, uh, they they shelled over some cash uh, for global. It's like when a baseball team has some high price slugger, they're like, "Yeah, we'll, I tell you what, we're we're going to trade you, but we're going to we're going to pay we're going to still pay the majority of your salary." I believe it raised the value of the company in the long run, but <laughs> but yes, they did uh, give up a little bit to get that off their hands. MarketFoolery at Fool.com is our email address. From Kent Turner, I own shares of FireEye. This is a company that is declared an industry leader, but I'm beginning to have my doubts. I've held in with them thinking that things will soon reverse their decline and the stock price will improve. Are they a good company for someone to acquire? Are they headed for bankruptcy? Please help. Two very different outcomes there. FireEye, as you mentioned, Tony, uh, cybersecurity, really more of a pure play cybersecurity right. company that really has seen its stock price whacked over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. is this thing going, David? Uh, well, the short answer is no, they won't go bankrupt anytime soon. This is a company similar to Netflix. They're trying to capture share of what's a very large and fragmented market, which is cybersecurity. Um, Cybersecurity as a whole globally is anticipated to grow 10% annually uh, to $170 billion in size by 2020. So that's a big market. Uh, and FireEye is really just, they're plowing money into investing and scaling their business. So, so far, uh, they haven't been consistent producing positive cash flow, much less free cash flow. Uh, so, so they're burning a lot of cash, but they do have a net cash position of $471 million. So they won't go bankrupt. Anytime soon. The question is, can they scale? Get to a point where where they have that scale and they're able to produce positive, consistent cash flow. That that's really the big question with them over the next uh, couple of years. And I think it's hard to call them a leader. Uh, this, like I said, this is a very fragmented space. They're a two and a half billion dollar company, so they're sort of like in the middle tier, I'd say, when it comes to you know this, the size of companies in this space. But uh, they they do have some product partnerships with larger players like Checkpoint. They have some uh, partnerships with product partnerships with smaller companies like CyberArk. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it is a, a challenging space to be in right now. It's very fragmented. There's a lot of competition. So we probably will see some consolidation at a two and a half billion dollar market cap. They they could be an acquisition target. Uh, as an example, Checkpoint uh, Security, which is like I said, a, a much larger company in the space. They have 1.3 billion dollars in cash and no debt. So they could conceivably acquire someone like FireEye or Checkpoint, which they're actually already. Rumors about it would make sense for some consolidation to take place in the industry because there are so many competitors out there uh, between them and Palo Alto Networks. There's a few competitors that are, uh, from what I can tell, trying to do exactly the same thing. The, basically, this is a stock that was trading at a tremendous premium six to twelve months ago and is now trading at a tremendous discount to its peers. The story hasn't changed much. They said last summer that their goal was to be cash flow positive by 2019. So you're looking at a company that is still 
a few years and a lot of revenue short of where they need to be to become a, a viable business. If you bought the company at any point since its IPO, you trusted that long-term vision that it would take them from the time of IPO uh, somewhere between three and six years to become a profitable company and that they would grow along the way as the industry grows along with it. And that story really hasn't changed. It, it is a difficult industry to be in. Maybe you want to invest in a few companies there instead of just choosing one that you think will be the winner. But it's the same investment you made six or 12 months ago, just at a, a bargain price right now. Yeah, it, I mean, it's important to remember that uh, even though their growth has been decelerating, like they still grew sales 45% in the most recent quarter. So this is still a very quickly growing company. They are capturing market share, but like Tony said, uh, it's really a matter of scaling over the next um, few years. So that, that'll be a key thing to watch. I, I don't know what number I was expecting to come out of your mouth, but when you said 2019, the first thing I thought was, gosh, I don't know if FireEye is a, is a standalone company in 2019. I mean, if they if 2016 is anything like 2015 for this company, I, I, I could see someone going in a, a much bigger, and I don't know if it's IBM, but I can see a tech behemoth saying, we like you. And we're making a godfather offer. That is possible. The other possibility, since this is such a uh, service-driven business, is that with the decline in share price and employees being paid so much in stock options, that they just lose all their talent. So one of those outcomes would be good. One would not be, and I don't know which will happen. I think yeah, we we can also take a step back here and recognize on days like this, especially companies that aren't. Making money or have consistent cash flow, their stocks will often be much more volatile. So, in the case of Netflix, they reported, by all measures, a pretty good quarter, but the stock is still down. FireEye, I think, is down 10% today. Yeah. These are companies that aren't making money, and the money they do make, it isn't consistently positive. Uh, so, in the context of portfolio allocation, you don't, you probably don't want a huge chunk of your portfolio in these kind of companies, especially if. You know these volatile share prices get to you. So a company like FireEye, you might not want more than say two or three percent of your portfolio in that company. Or like Tony mentioned, you might want a basket of these cybersecurity companies because there's not one clear winner at this point. So I think that's something to keep in mind with these smaller companies that are investing a lot of money. They're not profitable today. You have to recognize that their share prices will be volatile. The stories are exciting. They're often developing new technologies or platforms, but you have to recognize, yeah, those share prices will be be volatile. Before we wrap up, David, uh, last time you were on, we talked a little bit about Supernova, which is the service you work on. Uh, it's one of our services here at The Motley Fool that is open uh, just a couple of times a year uh, for a limited amount of time. It's, it's open to new members. For, for people who are interested in Supernova as a service, uh, what, what's the thumbnail sketch? Yeah, so Supernova, this is really David Gardner's uh, service. We're looking at his universe of stock recommendations from Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers. Uh, by all measures, uh, David Gardner is the most successful investor uh, here at The Motley Fool. He just has an incredible track record, especially with more of the growth-oriented companies. You know, He found and invested in Amazon in 1997. He's an early investor in Starbucks, those kind of companies. So, finding these innovative, game-changing companies early on in their growth cycles. That's the goal uh, of David Gardner's style. And um, In Supernova, we actually make real-money portfolios out of his universe of stocks. So, I'm heading up a new uh, portfolio mission uh, called Odyssey 2, where uh, we have the Motley, real money from The Motley Fool, and we're building a portfolio uh, of his stocks. So, it's, it's an exciting way for members to follow along. You actually get portfolio allocation advice rather than just stock recommendations. So, we'll tell you how much 
of a, of a company to buy, what percentage of that portfolio it should be. And you get to follow along um, from the ground up with us today. So definitely check us out if you're interested in that. Yeah, we have a microsite you can check out. Go to supernovaradio.fool.com. That's supernovaradio.fool.com. Um, uh, it's a free microsite with uh, a lot of great videos from David Gardner, Matt Argusinger, David Kretzman. A lot of good information there. Um, worth checking out whether you end up subscribing to Supernova or not. Tony Arstead, David Kretzman, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>